0: Hello and welcome back to the Boga Hunting Podcast, everybody. This is a show for hunters of all skill levels looking for knowledge and experience. Today we talk with Clay Newcomb all about bear hunting 101. We kind of go through how James and I can improve our bear hunting skills and tactics. But first, we'd really like to talk about a few people who helped make this all happen. Handcrafted in a small northern Michigan town, Bivouac Bow Company is Michigan's premier traditional archery manufacturer. To meet the bowyers and their truly one-of-a-kind bows, visit BivouacBowCo.com.
1: If you haven't heard yet, there's a lot of buzz around saddle hunting these days, and if you're anything like us, you want to use the best gear available. If you're thinking of trying your hand at saddle hunting this year, don't settle for some knockoff brand. Use the saddle company that has been doing it since 1961. Visit TrophyLine.com to find out more. First light. First light camo. We uh, rock a lot of their gear a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of First Light clothing. Great stuff. If you are a whitetail hunter, it's great stuff. If you hunt out west, we love it.
0: Their wool is top of the line. Merino wool is the way to go. Firstlight.com.
1: Is it HuntWise? (laughs) (laughs) Get Uh, it. Another sponsor of this podcast is HuntWise. It's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. Um, It's got social media. It's got... Mapping software, it has a place to buy gear. Uh, it's it's awesome. If you want to learn more, go to HuntWise.com. Last but not least, stirka Optics. Styrka Optics. Do you say stirka? I say stirka. Great binoculars, great rifle scopes. Yeah.
0: I'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, AR build that I have. A little red dot action.
1: Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, check them out, strong.com. All right, Clay. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me and Jared today. You know, we've been, we were talking a little bit ahead of time, but we've been following you for quite some time. And actually, like it's, I we met before. I don't know if you knew this. This year, Jared okay. and I went to the ATA show, and we, we were at the film festival. And your your rivers, what's it, called? Rivers Bear was uh, playing. Yeah, yeah. And I walked out, and you probably got this from everybody else there, but I'm like, hey, man, you know, I love your video. I just really, really appreciate it, and then I just walked out. I didn't even say my name. <laughs> so you probably have by. no idea. <laughs> yeah, just a drive-by. Thanks. Walked out.
2: Okay. Well, I I remember a few guys that did that. One guy was, like, really tall. Are you, oh, wow. like, 6'3 or something?
1: I'm a solid 5'. You know, he wishes he I've, was 6'3. I play, like, a 6'3 guy. Yeah, whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... That happened one time that I remember this year, and yeah. it was like I remember just looking up at this guy going, thanks, man. So it wasn't you, though. So. No, you know what, though? Okay. I,
1: I have noticed the hunting industry, fairly short. Mm. I feel like there's not a lot of huge people. Like I saw Cameron Haynes. <laughs> he's, like five, he's short. He's not a tall man. He is a little guy, yeah. You know, so River's Bear, I want to say I voted for it. Jared, you voted for it? I don't remember. Right on. That. I've totally voted for it. It was, it was great. I, I got to ask, though, and, like, she was successful. She was uh, the next, what, two years after your, your daughter, and, and everything turned out she was healthy. But, like, for, for people who haven't watched, go watch it. I might have a spoiler here. But, like, when you came home, was your wife mad at you about how, how this all went? Or <laughs> did it play? How would that play you out? You know
2: what? There's a back story that just couldn't be told in a short video like that. But River has been hurt before on a mule. River was kind of like the kid that just wasn't afraid of anything, okay, and so she was usually the one going with me and doing stuff when we had she it wasn't her first mule wreck since then though we have I've become a better dad, and i don't I just okay. don't put kids on mules that aren't just hundred percent tested and right. proven and uh so to answer the question was my wife mad at me? She was more mad at me the time after that when River got hurt on a mule.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: So th- they started okay. <laughs> the, the injuries started to accumulate, and that's when yeah. we were like, "This is not good. We have got to right. do something different here." And 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 honestly, it wasn't it wasn't always River's fault. It wasn't always the animal's fault. Just it's not a it can be a dangerous thing just riding any kind of equine animal. And you know what? I would right. rather have a sixteen year old girl though that was up on the back of an animal out doing something than having a kid that was afraid to take a chance or or hooked on stuff indoors and didn't want to get out playing so video games I, I feel like it's a know. win if your daughter has some has a few bangs and bruises and she loves it she she gets a lot of attention for it in our little family circles and stuff, you know it's like oh really falls oh, in the yeah. older day so anyway she, she likes it she's a beautiful girl and she's a she's a a girly girl if i could say it that way but at the same time really? she's a she loves hunting she's tough she she is kind of inexhaustible when it comes to just wanting to go so you know yep. sometimes you i don't know she's she's a unique she's a unique kid
1: yeah, I was I was interested watching that because I've got so I'm, I've got a daughter and I take her hunting and stuff and I'm always like looking at you know guys who have daughters a little older than mine you know seeing how you're doing it you know um, getting her out there because you've clearly you've done a good job if she's interested in hunting with you so much and, and hanging out with mules and everything else so that's that's I, I feel like that's yeah that's one of my big end games and just yeah life, you know well they're all different you know
2: and sometimes they just have a natural inclination towards it but what I've required of my kids is I've, I've you can't make them. Love hunting. You really can't. You can expose them to it a lot and make their experiences positive, and you know. But each one's different. But I do demand that they, for their entire life, respect hunting, eat wild game, and be a voice for conservation yep. wherever they go in life. And because uh, <laughs> my oldest daughter, who's just a year older and year and a half older than the River, is not a big hunter. She hunted with me when she was young, killed a turkey, killed deer. But, you know, she's just not going to be a real passionate hunter. But, but she will be a positive right. voice for hunters and conservation throughout her life. I'm confident of that.
1: Yeah, that's a big deal. And, and exposing them young, you know, we've talked about this in the podcast a bunch, but, I mean, that's that's, the, that's a big deal. Like, she's they've not had a chance to be taught that things like, right. you know, uh, butchering a deer is gross. Like D yeah. will look at my daughter D will look at it like it's no big thing. She has no yes. she doesn't even have a, an idea in her head that it would be gross. You know, we'll 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 cut up a deer and like she'll wait for me to to bring the heart out. That's her, her cut of meat for I don't know why but like whenever I, I whenever I shoot whatever I shoot squirrel deer whatever um it's like where's the heart yeah. you know and you're, you're cooking that for me right so you know it's, yeah. it's a pretty cool thing and I, Absolutely. I think you gotta start when you're young
2: expose them to it and you know the the challenge inside of parenthood these days is that you yeah. the, the pace of life and the other things that aren't always bad sometimes are good that are just that just take time from kids yeah that's the biggest challenge you know it, it's not even sometimes it's well, that is that's. Let me just say that is a, the, the big challenge is that they just kids are just so much more busy than they were when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties. You know, so right. anyway, you just gotta prioritize it. Yeah. You know, and that's what we've done as a family is we've our kids play basketball, they play sports, they're in school play. You know, they they have this robust ext- extracurricular life, but we've just made it a priority that hey, we're hunters, we're gonna prioritize our hunting. And so we, we still make time for that. And the kids, and there's a little bit yeah. of sacrifice in it. Like, for instance, tomorrow we're squirrel hunting on mules. My daughter had to make a decision whether she was going to yep. go watch a basketball game that some of her friends were in. And I said, "Your decision Do what you want to do? And she's going squirrel hunting. So,
1: Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I just I just read this. Or I think I read it or did I hear it on NPR? Anyways, somehow I was listening to NPR. They're reporting on one in every five kids is, uh, mm. experiences or suffers from anxiety, which is in pretty incredible. I mean, Jared, between your a lot of kids and mine, there's maybe gonna be one in there. You have got three, and I got one, so
0: two, one on the way.
1: Yeah, and so that is that's a kind of a, an interesting thought, I and mean, it's a little disheartening. But you know, going back to what you said, the busier you make your kids' lives, the more they're you know connected on different devices yeah. and things like that. I feel like you're you're breeding it for sure.
0: Do they? Did they say what is causing the anxiety? I don't think they're there.
1: I think this is so new that they haven't... Oh. I, I think as people, we could probably guess what it would be sure. you know as hunters i think that might be something that we would say as maybe a person of faith you know that probably has something to do with it but there's a lot of there's a lot of that i would imagine that goes into it that i would i wouldn't think npr is talking about you know your your beliefs and your uh your hunting time as mm-hmm. maybe causes for for being anxious so all right so clay for people who don't know much about you you want to just introduce yourself who you are and what, you what are. i do
2: for a living is i publish bear hunting magazine which is a uh, we're a print magazine been in print for 20 years i've i have had bear hunting magazine for seven years we're the only print bear hunting magazine in the world so we're a mm-hmm. big fish in a really small pond bear hunting is is really grown in popularity in the last i'd say five to ten years and and uh, anyway that's that's what I do for a living we bear hunting magazine had we have a youtube channel we have a podcast and so we Produced quite a bit of media about bear hunting, but I grew up here in Arkansas. I've married and had four kids, and wasn't always passionate about bear hunting because we really didn't have bear hunting to okay. speak of when I was a kid. And to me, that's one of the awesome conser- conservation features of kind of my bear hunting story is that I grew up a whitetail deer hunter. My dad was a serious bow hunter, and so I grew up yep. hunting deer on public land in Arkansas. And uh, it's not that we didn't have bears, but at the time, bear hunting was just kind of non-existent. When I was about 21, I killed my first bear here in Arkansas. Right. It really just ignited a, a passion for a pretty incredible critter that I perceived that yeah. the culture around me really didn't appreciate that much, you know? And I was like, wait a minute, I think we're getting this wrong. This is an yep. incredible beast, we have an incredible wildlife resource here in Arkansas, and kind of the kind of the way I describe it is almost like bears, even amongst hunters. It was almost a little bit of a vermin mentality. I mean, it's just kind of like almost like killing a wild hog or something, you know? It's sure. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. A bear. What are you gonna do with that thing?
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know,
2: and I kill this bear, and, <laughs> right. and I was just like, man, this is doing something. And uh, and then the more I dug into the Arkansas, well, these bears—the only bears that I knew, which were right here in Arkansas—was that turns out it's one of the, uh, an El Primo conservation story, in that the reintroduction of bears into Arkansas, right, is considered by biologists as one of the most successful reintroductions of large carnivores in the world. Long story short, we had fifty thousand bears in Arkansas at one time, and they were extirpated, re, you know, local extinction where there was only about 40 bears in the entire state in 1930. They reintroduced 254 bears into the Ouachita and Ozark Mountain between 1954 and 1964. So they put in 254 wild bears that they got from Manitoba, Canada, and Minnesota. And those 254 bears, within a period of 25 years, increased by tenfold. And by 1990, there were 2,500 bears in Arkansas. And then in 2020, we've got about 6,000 bears in Arkansas and, and for our habitat, for our suitable habitat yep. for bears, that's a really solid number. So, you know, we kind of became bear hunters, Right. whatever is happening ecologically in North America is, has been yep. very beneficial for black bears all across the continent really has, you know, you you hear you hear yeah. some negative stories inside of conservation about some animals that aren't doing good like caribou and some moose population our turkey populations yep. are down in the southeast big time yep. quail population. you know you hear you hear some negative things that are happening yep. but you won't hear that anytime soon for black bear man it, almost every population in North America is stable right. or increasing and so it's like there's all this opportunity now for the kind of the modern bear hunter to arise, and that's kind of what we like to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in places like Colorado, they their tag prices are going down. I saw, I see, I saw a couple bear bears out there while I was elk hunting. And even in places like Michigan, we're slowly starting to see. I feel like we're we're a little behind Arkansas, but we're starting to see more and more common bear sightings and Mm -hmm. the the hunting is is much more accessible than it was where you know you go up into the up you can basically hunt hunt a bear every year whereas down kind of by where we are it's what is it like six points i think kind of in the area right north like the most southerly closest area to us yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story, but it's exciting because, you know, the perception of bears is very different. Like you said, it's either they're seen as a, ver- a varmint or they're they're kind of seen as, like, this thing that shouldn't be hid right. because they're a bear as opposed to, like, a deer. Like, they, like, you get extra crap for shooting a bear as opposed to shooting a deer for, for whatever reason.
2: When I hear a hunter say that, you know, like, why would you want to shoot a bear? I want to take my boot off and slap him in the face. Right. Um... Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. There's no, there's no ethical qualm. There's no, there's no rational, right. intelligent reason why you could kill a bear and have real justification, and in, in not having the same thing for a deer. Right. Like put that way. And now I don't get upset with somebody that just doesn't want to kill a bear. I'm kind of
1: exactly exaggerating
2: my thoughts there. I mean, I'm not mad at a guy if he's just like, man, I don't want to kill a bear. Right. I just don't have any interest in it. I have more power too. That's fine.
1: But, yeah, but But don't— It's your prerogative.
2: Don't go kill deer and turkeys and then say you have some inclination to not want to kill a bear for some (laughs) ethical or moral reason. If you do, you have massive, massive holes in your philosophy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's time to go back to the drawn boards and—yeah, exactly—
0: all right so let let me play go ahead and let me play the devil's advocate in this scenario then. okay so I've never been bear hunting before right i've seen I've seen plenty of bear out in the wild while I'm out deer hunting I've never tasted bear oh. right no no I never have okay. and my primarily my primary purpose for hunting animals yeah. like turkey right. deer rabbit squirrel is is to eat the meat right? right so for me to like I've never tasted bear I don't know how I'm gonna like it right that are, you, are you are you scared that, I'm not scared it's you seem just scared what if I end up having 150, 200 pounds. of bear I know. Meat. I know it will happen. Yeah, you're going to eat it. I'll eat I know it. Just eat give it. it to me. So in this, in that scenario, if I said I'm a little weary of shooting a bear. Oh, and, that I, reason, and I would
2: say, I mean, that's okay because that's different than what I'm talking about. What I'm, what I'm talking about is somebody that just has, sure.
0: okay.
2: you know, is opposed to shooting a bear for some emotional. Pull towards the animal or feeling like there's this charismatic megafauna
0: and some irrational
2: reason why they wouldn't want to kill a bear. But most of that would be rooted in an idea that a bear would not produce good meat. Now, if you didn't know what bear meat tasted like, Jared, I mean, yeah, you could be apprehensive about wanting to kill one and have a bunch of meat that you don't like. But what I have found, and this is just, and obviously you hear me say that bear meat is great, You know, obviously, I like bear meat. I want to like bear meat. I want people to like bear meat. (laughs) You know, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but pulling (laughs) myself away from that and just giving you an honest assessment from what I have seen others that have never eaten bear meat that have no reason to like it, the people that I've fed bear meat that have no reason to like it, my wife who loves bear meat, who is not – big time hunter she doesn't eat stuff just to make me happy she eats stuff because she likes it i've just found people just almost always like it right you know, it really is a high quality meat a black oh, bear yeah. basically has the diet of a wild turkey most black bears in north america are eating about 85 percent plant okay. matter about 15 percent animal animal matter and of that 15 percent of animal matter most of that is insect if you think about it that way Okay. It helps a little bit. The other thing that I say yep. is that of all the big game animals that we hunt in North America, we utilize more of the animal in a bear hunt than almost anything that I can think of. And y'all, y'all help me with this. With a bear, 90% of the time, that bear hide is going to be tanned and preserved for that. I mean, okay, and let's take oh, that yeah, white-tailed sure. deer. How many white-tailed yep. deer hides are tanned?
0: The hardly, I don't know that I've ever done one. You, I've tried doing one, but yeah, it, I mean, to your point, yeah, most of the time they're just discarded.
2: Yeah, probably 90% right. of black bears that are killed, the hide's gonna be tanned. Meat is gonna be harvested just like a white tailed deer. You're gonna have yep. this meat. But the thing that we're yep. talking about a lot right now is rendering bear fat into oil, a usable oil that is this beautiful, oh, yeah, yeah, lasts a long time on the shelf without being refrigerated, years actually. We pan-fried crappie two days ago with bear oil. And so, you know, what animal are we? Rendering fat, saving oh, the hive, man. and using the meat? Right. The answer is not very many. So, you know, to me, that's an argument for being, being able to...
1: That's a great point. Well, and even yeah. to add to it, even to add to it, I mean, you got the skull, which exactly. I'm for sure going to bleach, get a bleached skull. And, you know, in your video, your daughter has uh, a bear claw necklace, which... I'm totally would totally get, you know, give to my daughter, uh, something like that. So I mean yeah. you're you're truly yeah. using almost all parts of it. We really are. So now like up to this point though, I feel like I'm I'm a little bit less than a man. And here's why. I've been eating someone else's bear meat. <laughs> I <laughs> I have no. I've never. I've never gone bear hunting, but Jared and I are are working on working on a, a bear hunting plan for this year. Mm-hmm. And and which is one of the reasons why I want to have you on, other other than you know a whole host of other reasons. I want to talk to you about bear hunting. Like for a guy like us, you know, I, I shoot a trad bow. Jared shoots a compound. I know you do a little bit of both. I feel like you're the perfect guy to talk to. We're looking to to go someplace in Michigan. You know, what advice would you have uh, for for guys like us
2: up in Michigan? You've got quite a few options. Michigan's actually a good bear state. You know, I think you guys are harvesting well over 1,500 bears a year, sometimes maybe even 2,500. Pretty big. I mean, there's a lot of bears in Michigan, a lot of bear hunters. You're able to hunt over bait yeah. in certain areas, You're able to use hounds in most areas. You know, what what method are you wanting to use? Are you, are you wanting to just, like, hunt them? Because there's three things you can do with the bear. You can still hunt a bear or tree stand hunt a bear like a deer number one uh you can you can use bait or you could use hounds in michigan like what what are you thinking
1: so we're looking at either bait or hounds. Um, obviously, we'd go through through an outfitter or a guy that runs hound- dogs or, or whatever. And so, you know, I know I, I had a sense of, you know, still hunting and stuff. I don't know how many people around here actually do anything like that. I know one buddy of ours uh, does a little bit of, like, stand hunting. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for us, for for guys that have, you know, maybe a week to do something like this, um, and it's, you know, we'd be hunting. Yeah. like eight yeah. hours away if you go from where we are to the up so yeah. it's it's like we're yeah we have we're kind of limited so probably dogs are bait
2: i think you're right i think very few people would be doing like a spot and stalk or still hunt for a bear up in that country just because of how thick it is and and therein lies the reason right. that mm-hmm. bait and hounds are legal and now as i understand it too in michigan you can bait bears on public land is that your understanding as well
1: that's my understanding Mm -hmm. we might we'll get a lot of corrections if not but that is my understanding yep like in
2: arkansas we can't bait on public land we we bait on private land i think you can bait on public land and at least in areas that's open man if you had a week if you had seven full days to hunt here's what i would advise doing finding the the most remote furthest away from road area that you could find so you know that would be If you've never been up there, didn't know what was going on, I mean, I would just be looking at aerial topographic maps online and just trying to find a place that's just a long ways from roads and then figuring out how to get, and and, you know, pick out, say, three bait sites that are at least two to three miles apart, okay? That's what I would do. You've got to be able to get your bait back into these spots so they can't be so far that you can't get bait back in there. But you don't want to be 100 yards off the road. Or, yep. So you kind of find that happy medium of whether you're trucking back in a half a mile, carrying bait and backpacks or something. But that's probably in the neighborhood yep. of what you would want to do. I've heard of guys using bikes with some kind of little trailers.
1: Yeah, those things you pull your kids around in, Jared. You know, those, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those bike trailer uh, things. Yep, yep.
2: I heard of a guy that sent us some... Photos from up in the UP that found a big roadless area up there, and they used bikes to bike back in like four or five mm-hmm. miles, and then they set up bait and killed bears yeah. and uh, quartered them up and brought them out of there. Yeah, it, it now I don't know any of that country really. I, I have been up there uh, in the UP, but I, I don't know any of it real well. But so you know, once you establish where you're going to bait, I would I would have there're two of you hot and I'd have at least three baits, maybe four if you could find the spots at least half mile off the road, further if you could. Yep. Set up on some kind of natural pinch point like if there's the edge of a big swamp where you're finding deer trails and game trails, you know, something yep. funneling animals through an area, put your bait there. I would start off the bait with some high-powered commercial scent. I think I think that's key, okay. that commercial Get them scent. In just has so much more scent power than any kind of natural food. If you're trying to get them to come in quick, you know, you'd be on a short time budget there. You know, you need bears to find it. I I would use some commercial scent and then I would just put out as much bait as I could put out, corn, dog food, bread, fryer grease, cookies, just anything you
1: could. Anything in particular you like the best? Sometimes these bears are a little bit different. So,
2: I'm a little bit hesitant saying what would work up there. I do know guys up in Michigan sometimes use oats and okay. grease a lot. If you did that down here in Arkansas in the fall. J-
1: Jared got through college if, in if oats and If you did that grease. down here,
2: I, I don't think you'd have <laughs> as good a success as they do up there. But anything that okay. would make a human fat, a bear would love. So bread, pastries. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs>
1: right.
2: bears love corn. Just dry corn.
1: Beer and pizza. That's a weird thing to think about it. it a bear oh, in a yeah. corn pile. Oh yeah, they'll hammer. Interesting. Um, okay. And yeah, and don't
2: overlook the easy stuff, which might be oats, just dried oats, like you'd feed a horse or something. And then put up a camera, set out yep. your bait, and then just go check it every day until you get a bear coming in. When you get him coming in, hunt him. You know, hunt him like a deer. Use the wind to your advantage. You know, you set your baits in such a way. Yeah. You know, you'd think about it just like you were hunting a deer. Like, if there's going to be a deer standing right there, well, I need to be on the, prev- sure. the downwind side of the prevailing wind. You know, there's a 60%, 80% chance that the wind's going to be blowing out of the southwest during that time. So, okay, so I need to be sitting over here. I mean, that's kind of what you have to base these stands off of is prevailing wind for the time period. And then if you go in and it's different, you know, you can try to move around and do some, you know, set up on the other side or if you're in a tree stand maybe you can get away with it you know you just never know
0: how,
1: how sensitive are they to to scent like i know that they're you know great great noses right but like if i'm if i if i get up there right and i'm and bear in mind, like we're in Michigan, right. so like our deer are hypersensitive to smell. But like, say we're coming in and we realize the wind's out of the wrong side. We walk around the bait pile and try to set up on the other side. If a bear comes in and catches our, our track, is he going to be gone? Or <laughs> Probably is that really not. Kind
2: of... You know, bears have a really odd response to human scent when they are around bait. And it's it's individual for each animal. But a bear is going to know that there's a human involved at that bait. Yeah. And a bear is a, is a predator, so he does not right. have the f- same flight response that a prey animal has. You know, a deer has one option for when oh, yeah. it smells a predator, and that is to fly, to leave, you know, flight response. A bear is a naturally yep. a top predator, and so, yeah, heck yeah, he's going to run from you most of the time or, or avoid you. But sometimes that food... You know th- they're them wanting to eat will override that fear of man and they'll come creeping in they might be spooky, they might be looking right. around they might but they might come in I mean most of the bears that I would say that I've killed over bait have smelled me before I killed them now the big ones and this is where it gets kind of finicky a big older male is probably not going to play any games with you if he comes in and smells you at that bait, and he knows you're sitting over there, he is most likely not going to come in. But, man, I've killed big ones that knew I was there and came in anyway. And every part of the country is different. Usually there's a correlation between how much exposure that animal has had to humans. Like, if if they've had a lot of, of exposure to humans, they're very spooky. If you're up in the Canadian wilderness, and these bears have never smelled a human, they're not spooky at all. Basically, you just try to take care of your sims just like you were deer hunting, but they're not going to be just like a deer. Like like if I hiked back, if I had planned to hunt a bait, if I had seven days to hunt or six days to hunt, I planned to hunt a bait, and it was really my only option, and I went back there and the wind was wrong, and, I mean, I would probably just hunt it. Just be like, I'm just going to see what happens. But it all depends. If you had a 600-pound bear coming in there that... You just knew wasn't going to tolerate anything, and you knew you had four days left to hunt. Then you might be like, "Man, maybe yeah. I'll slip out of here and just come back." But if you had a 220-pound bear that was coming in, and that was a target animal and one you were wanting to take, I would probably treat it different. I'd probably try it.
1: Yeah, just kind of take your chance. Yeah, are you are you a big uh, are you big scent spray killer? Sp- no Sp- scent. Killer spray no, guy, or you? A, okay, you are I think it's
2: either. one of the biggest okay. hoaxes in the outdoor industry.
1: This is a debate we have internally. I'm with you, but we have a we have a debate oh, between man. us. No, and... you
2: know what? I grew up. I grew up with uh, my dad in the in the 90s when all the scent elimination stuff came out. Yeah. And we were religious about scent yeah. control yep. to the T, man, to the T for our whitetail hunting for years. My dad still is. And one day, when I was about 25, I just said, "Man, I'm going to quit doing this." Right. This isn't any fun. I've killed more deer since that day than I did before when I was doing scent control. I just started hunting the wind. And there are probably times when you can contain your scent, and maybe some of that stuff might help you. Sure. But the way that I hunt, rarely would there ever be a place where it could help me. I've, I've used ozone extensively and have just had, I mean, I could just tell you story after story of times when everything was right for that ozone to work. And this is with white tailed deer and bear. Okay. And it didn't really deer comes in, blows. Uh, that's been my experience. Yep. Now, there's some guys that just swear by it. Yep. And uh and I know some really good hunters that have had the same experience with me. They're just like, Man, it doesn't work it just doesn't work. Right. It in a in a laboratory with ideal conditions, the science is there and it
1: and it would work. I'm sure, it makes total sense. But Why? Right.
2: Very rarely. Out there in the field, sitting in a tree stand with swirling wind, critters coming from any direction. I have found it just not to work. Yeah. So to me, it's a pretty low priority when I hunt anything—white-tailed deer, bear, or anything. I just, I just don't think it works. Yeah.
1: Now, for the for the guy that's listening in, you know, it's important to point out there are really two times to hunt bears, right? For the eastern side of the United States, pretty much. Primarily, primarily it's it's fall hunting uh, but you get out west and you get up into Canada you've got a spring season too and what are the different ways that you hunt maybe a spring bear versus a fall bear
2: so there's about 9 states in the US that have some type of spring bear hunt
1: mm-hmm.
2: Most, almost all the Canadian provinces except for one i think have a spring bear hunt so spring bear hunting is is a little more limited you know, it's just a different food source. That The only difference between fall and spring bear hunting would be the food source that the bears were hitting. Yeah. You know, bears are coming out of their dens in, in April and May, most places, and, and they're keying in on the only food source that's available during that early period of time, which yeah. would be green vegetation. You know, no berries have made yet. You know, the leaves are just popping out of the trees. They hadn't had time to produce fruit, you know, so... Yeah. In the in the spring, you're keying in on green food source until the insects start to pop out and the first berries start to come ripe, which would usually be in June yep. in some places. And now a lot of guys are hunting over bait in the spring too. And so a bear is using that bait site essentially like he would use a green patch that he was feeding on. I mean, they're they're just trying to eat a lot, you know. In the fall, same story. The fall. Different stuff is available. A lot of the berries, you know, the blueberries and all the raspberries and different things are coming in in the late summer. They're feeding on those. Some bear seasons start up in August. The reason I mentioned berries is that some of the the bear seasons open up in August and you're hunting bears on blueberries. They'll feed on blueberries through September up in the northern latitudes. In the southeast and, heck, even up in Michigan, in different places where there's oaks, Mm -hmm. Bears are gonna heavily key in on acorns. If you're hunting bear over natural food source, you just it's pretty it's pretty simple. You just find their what kind of food that they're after, yep. find that. Now, as far as baiting in those two different times, to me, there's not that much difference. Yep. You could probably nitpick the differences in the way that you would bait in the spring and fall. And I've read some articles about oh, you use you use this in the spring, yeah, you I've use this in the fall.
1: Yep.
2: I think I have found None of that stuff to hold real universal truth. Sure. Bears are just hungry, you know, and, and maybe there's stuff I don't know, but I haven't found that to make much difference in spring or fall what you're feeding them. You're still you just they're just trying to gather calories, you know. So for so, for that answer your question,
1: yeah, that's actually exactly what I was was kind of looking for. Now for a guy, if you ask a whitetail guy, you know, what is the tell me the ideal day for hunting. You know, they maybe they describe like a November seven. It's thirty some degrees. It's crisp. You're sitting out there in the morning, whatever. What is the like the ideal day? What does it look like? Like if you had to pick one day, one set of conditions, what would it look like for for bear hunting?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's a good insightful question because this is what I had to learn. You know, I didn't grow up spring bear hunting or hunting up north for bear. Yeah. So when I first really came into kind of the national bear hunting world or the the bigger bear hunting world out of Arkansas, mm-hmm. I kind of had to make sense of what was happening in the spring. And we'll, I'll start with spring. Yeah,
0: I would hunt May
2: the 20th, May the 20th. Ooh,
0: that's one, you know what? That's one day away from, I think, a <laughs> perfect day, the, 19, Boom, the 19th. good job, yeah. good job.
2: <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because bears are coming, let's just, let's just make a general statement that bears are coming out of their dens in mid-April. There's a progressive increase in metabolism, the longer that bear is out of denning. So he'll eat less right at the beginning. He might, You, know, you might think he'd come out of the den and just be ravenous, but if they actually come out of the den and their appetite is building, building, building. Yep. The further you get from that denning period, the more the appetite increases, the more they start to move and range out. Right. By May the 20th, they're pretty much full throttle eating. Interesting. Okay. About a month into it, full throttle eating. That's number one, so they're eating good. Yep. Number two, the bear rut is, I could nerd out on the bear rut, uh, but essentially it's an elongated rut that lasts a long, like several months. Interesting. But the peak of bear breeding and a lot of the research across the country is about mid June. Okay. So you could equate that to November 15th being a peak breeding date of whitetails. And so if that's the peak breeding date for whitetails, when is the best time to hunt a whitetail buck? It's probably a couple weeks before exactly, that, right? Exactly, right,
1: when they're looking, yep. You know, the last
2: 10 days of October, the first 10 days of November, yep. that's when I I want to— I actually want to hunt a whitetail deer the last 10 days of October. That's been my sweet spot. Yep. Well, May the 20s of May, to me, are the 20s of October for whitetail. Okay. Does that make sense yeah it does so you got bears that are on a feeding pattern that aren't fully rutting but the rut is influencing them some
0: gotcha so you might
2: be sitting on a sitting somewhere and have a boar come in with a hot sow yep. and it's just like a crazy rut hunt bears fighting bears breeding new bears coming
1: in yeah seeing some of that even in the videos you're putting out fighting and chasing around that's awesome
2: but you might Find a boar that is totally uninterested in female and is just trying to put on weight for the rut, and that's a good bear too. Because man, if he's there coming in every day, they can be really predictable during that time. A big boar, yeah. And so that that last twenty days or last ten days of May is kind of a mix between it. finding one on a heavy feeding pattern and one on a rut pattern. But by the time mid June comes around, it's just like the whitetail rut, man.
1: Okay. You may have a
2: big boar on your, out in that green patch today, but tomorrow he's three miles away chasing a sow. Yeah. Now that can work in your advantage though. So I'm not trying to discourage somebody from hunting in June right. because you may be three miles away in another green patch and he shows up for the first time. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. that That's the interesting thing. It's like kind of that point you're... I mean, anything can happen, which is kind of some of the fun during the the like the once you get into more in no, November for whitetail. It's like when you're out there, you almost can't go in because at any point some crazy thing might happen. It seems like that's true for for July or, or June bears.
2: That's true, and and here's the deal though: is that I've said in June, waiting for that crazy thing to happen, and it never happened. Right, right. You know, and so that's why I go back to. That late May hunt, and that's kind of the sweet spot for most out. I think a lot of outfitters would tell you that the twenties of May is some of their best hunting. Yep. But it's I've had great hunts in late June. The, the other thing that's happening is that the further you get into the spring, the more natural food is coming available. And so, whether you're hunting over bait or whether you're hunting natural food source, mm-hmm. more natural food available is negative. More competition for finding the concentration of animals. Yep. You understand? So, you know, so the further you get into the spring, there's more insects, there's more grass, there's more berries, there's more places they can be. May, in a lot of where these bears are, the the tops of the mountains haven't greened up. There's not as many insects. There's not as much diversity of vegetation that's available. And so when you find one, he's probably not going very far.
1: Now, judging a bear, I mean, first off, there's, to me, it seems like there's really two judgments you make, male or female, you know, boar or sow, or, and, and then you're looking at trying to figure out size. Uh, what, what kind of characteristics are you looking at to, to figure out, first off, male or female?
2: Bears are one of the toughest animals to judge of the big game animals. You know, they don't have horns. Mm-hmm. Their body is covered in thick fur that hides a lot of the features of the body. They're a dark animal too, like a, a, a light-colored whitetail. You can see the ripples in his shoulder. You can really get a look at his body and, and discern some of these maturity characteristics. A bear is kind of like a big fat something wearing a big black trash bag, right, right. you know. And you just you just you just sometimes have to really pay attention to the nuances of what you're seeing, or you can make a mistake. Scales, the biggest place that people make mistakes, and I, to this day and capable of making a mistake and have, you know, you see a bear and you're like, Holy cow, that's a big bear. His belly's low to the ground. His ears appear to be far apart. You know, these, these things that we say and you shoot it. And it's a 150 pound sow that had the maturity features of a sow. You just thought she weighed 200 more pounds than she did. Right. That happens, man. I'm, I'm telling you. But so the things that I would look for would be, If you have any scaling system, and if you're hunting over bait, you're probably going to have, you're either going to have a barrel, you're going to have something in front of you. A bear that's 36 inches at the shoulder is going to be a big, pretty mature male. And, and And a 55 gallon drum is 36 inches tall. If that bear is truly standing side by side with that barrel and his shoulders, and when I say shoulders, I don't necessarily mean the top of his guard hairs. Okay. You got to remember that those guard hairs are sticking up higher than his shoulder. So if his guard hairs are above the top of that barrel, that is a bear that you would probably shoot almost anywhere in the world. Now that bear could have a lot of, he could be thin or he could be fat. If a bear with a frame like that is 12 years old and carrying some weight, he might weigh 500 pounds. If a bear that tall is four years old and, you feel like you could drive a bicycle under his legs he still may be a bear you want to shoot i mean a four or five year old bear is a mature animal Mm -hmm. they reach maturity at about four but he still may look like a racehorse that's the way i describe it
1: right right (laughs) yep yep
2: and just know that that's probably a 275 to 325 pound bear you know And, and bears are different lengths as well sometimes you'll have a a bear that's short and a bear that's longer. If you can determine that an animal is a male by, you know, the penis sheath that hangs off about mid-body down on the belly, yep. they, they'll have about four or five hairs that are about four inches long. You know, that's key. You can't they don't have antlers, you can't see you can't actually, you can't actually see the rigging in between their legs <laughs> let's put it that way, yeah. but you can see that, that those sheath hairs. That's a good way. A bear, a a mature, a male bear's head is boxier. It's, his nose is more square. He just he looks like a Rottweiler dog, right. you know.
1: Right yeah.
2: A female is going to have a little bit pointier nose, most female, mm-hmm. A little bit pointier nose, a little bit daintier features in general, like even on her face. I, it, it's amazing to me how an animal – can have like feminine characteristics that we could yeah. identify as feminine, yep. but I I, it, I think it's true. I mean, look at a sow bear, and it's just it's just a softer features, longer face, front feet tell a lot to me. When I see a bear coming through the woods, a lot of time I'm looking at its feet before anything else.
1: Okay,
2: a big mature bear is going to have big wide pads and ankles. Yep, a sow is going to have have tighter smaller ankles and feet even a big one. And that's a key, I think, for me personally, that has been good. Because you can get some sows that weigh 300 pounds.
1: Right. And there's
2: nothing wrong with taking that animal if it doesn't have cubs. Yeah, right. you know, that might be a target animal. There's nothing wrong with taking a sow, as long as she de- you know she doesn't have cubs. But sometimes you'll see this big old bear, and maybe her guard hairs are up close to the top of that barrel. Usually, Usually she'll be shorter, though. You look at her feet, and you're like, Man, those legs are big, but they neck down tight right at the ankles. and yep. She's got smaller feet. That's a good key. A lot of times that's a sow. A sow is pear-shaped. The sow will have this big old butt that necks down pretty tight into the front. Yep. A big bear, a big male, will have kind of a big barrel chest. And he very well may have a big old butt, too. But he's just got this big, big arms, big forearms. He just is heavier in
1: the front end, right? Like just, you know? just burlier
2: looking. Yep. You can often tell a, a a dominant male by the by some of the characteristics that he displays. Some swagger. It's a bear. Yeah, really, for real. They kind of got that swagger. He's not afraid of other. Sometimes when you're sitting at a bait or something, you're wondering, is this the biggest animal that's coming in here, or should I pass this sound and wait for another? Right. Sometimes you can tell if he's the biggest one by how he acts. I mean, he just? Right in there without a care in the world, and birds just fly every direction. <laughs> right when he shows up, most of the time he's going to be the dominant animal there, the biggest animal.
1: You, you know, you know I, so I've, animal you I've been friends with Jared for a long time, and I feel like when you walk into a bar, Jared, you got that. Bruin bear strut when you walk in you're waiting for everything to go flying out of your way <laughs> depends on how many beers I'm. <laughs>
2: you would be the first one shot yeah that's true. Right. <laughs> you'd be the you'd
1: be a trophy jared <laughs> uh, God, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so you know you're, you're giving us a lot of you know there's so much to cover that we could do you know 10 podcasts uh, but one one thing i wanted to cover and then uh, b- before we wrap up is you know biggest mistakes so guys like us clearly don't know much we're talking about I've been listening to your podcast just listened to the kicking the bear in the uh, face episode which is great but, but like for guys like us you know going out what's the biggest mistake uh, that we're gonna likely make and, and how do we avoid it
2: good question are we are we talking about doing like a do-it-yourself bait hunt or what what do you think is I, that what the context is I
1: think so yeah what do you think Jared yeah that sounds yeah it sounds, sounds fair
2: you know I think biggest mistake yeah, a lot of guys mess up on shooting bears that that's probably yeah. a good one to cover yeah, as quickly is that yep. you know you you can do all the right stuff and then when the moment arrives you can make a mistake shooting a bear most guys well not most guys but the tendency is to shoot too far forward and too low right. on a bear cuz we've been taught to heart shoot whitetails with archery equipment yep because they dump the string you know so it's like man aim low Well, with a bear, you've got this exaggerated hide length that makes up the bottom surface of the silhouette of that animal. You've got this hair and hide. And then you've got fat, a big layer of fat. And then you've got the chest cavity that starts. I've had multiple guys have seen it where they've shot too low and just did a brisket shot on what would have been equivalent to a heart shot on a whitetail. Yeah. There's no reason to aim real low on a bear. are you sure as heck don't want to hit him high. I'm not suggesting that. Yep. But a bear doesn't have a flight response like a prey animal, and so they don't jump the string like a deer.
1: Right. They just don't.
2: You know? And that's the only reason we aim low on a deer. You're, tra- you're anticipating him going down, yep. and here's that string drop. You know. So don't aim too low, and don't be afraid to hit him a little bit far back. I've heard people say that a bear's vitals are far back in their body, mm-hmm. further back than a deer.
1: Yeah, I've heard that too.
2: And I like that because functionally that gets you to the place of accuracy, which is aimed just a little bit further back. But as I've done research on bears that I've killed and looked at them, the vitals aren't any further back, but their leg is further forward on their body, their front leg. That makes sense. Yep. Like a white-tailed deer, his neck comes down, and he's got this brisket that protrudes forward. You know, the brisket tucks in, yep. and then three or four inches back, his his leg comes down. Do you follow yep, me?
1: Exactly, yep.
2: A bear, if you started at his chin and just dropped down his neck, if you're drawing a line from his chin to his neck
1: mm-hmm.
2: to his chest, there's no brisket that protrudes out. It's just flat, yep. It just goes straight down on his so... It, actually his legs are a little bit further forward on his body so you know i see don't just pin it tight behind the shoulder and shoot if that makes sense so aim a little bit further back that was a real technical answer to say aim a little bit further back in about mid mid body from you know from the top to the bottom aim in the middle don't
1: aim low gotcha yeah i've, I've heard a lot of people Tell me that. That's that's generally you know the the answer that I get with biggest mistake is just proper arrow placement. Like you said, it's just so different than a than a deer where you're you're kind of waiting for that drop. You know, it feels like you're shooting a little farther forward. So yeah, that's a, that's a big thing uh, for sure. Yeah. So I, you know I. I really appreciate you coming on today, Clay. Like I had a bunch of stuff that I wanted to cover, but we're coming up on time here. For people that are looking to learn more about bear hunting, looking to uh, maybe see more of what you're doing, uh, where can they find you and, and get some some more of this information?
2: Yeah, so pretty much everything we're doing is is branded as Bear Hunting Magazine, BearHuntingMagazine.com, yeah. Bear-Hunting.com is is one of our addresses too. Find us on Instagram, Bear Hunting Magazine. Find our podcast, Bear Hunting Magazine, and then all my stuff just you know i'm on instagram it's clay nukem and facebook it's clay nukem so that's yeah that's pretty much where you find us and yeah we got we've got a lot of, of good youtube content and then you know the podcast is probably the best place to, to get concentrated yeah. information about bears even though honestly probably half of our content on the podcast is directly about bears right. we, we do a lot of random stuff on the podcast, but you can peruse through and see the titles and yep. and, and find some of the real information packed stuff if that's what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, we like it. I, I watch actually I've I've rewatched Pretty much every one of your videos. I like them because a lot of them are uh, traditional equipment, and there's just not a lot of traditional hunting videos out there. So my daughter and I will will curl up on the couch and want to watch a a few of your videos. So appreciate it. Keep pumping them out. They're great. Although you do have to get better at uh, pheasant shooting. That that didn't go great. (laughs) But it looked like you got a few.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a that was a fun hunt i'd like to do it again yeah it looked Uh, looked like a blast i can tell you all the guys that are shooting critters like that on youtube they're not showing you all the times they (laughs) missed so i I was like taking a step of courage you did like
1: some humility there yeah for sure (laughs) yeah
2: no it
0: was fun it really was fun it was a lot of fun
1: well hey man thanks again for coming on we'll uh, hopefully talk to you soon
0: thanks again for listening to this episode please don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to and give us a follow on Instagram at Boga Hunting to stay up to date on what we're doing. See you next week.